السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ دس از ریڈیو وائس آف اسلام اینڈ وی آر اسٹارٹنگ آر شو ایٹ دس آور وچ از ڈرائی ٹائم شو آئی ایم ڈاکٹر طارق انور باجوا آئی ایم یو ہوسٹ ڈے فار دس پروگرام اینڈ فرام فور ٹو فائیو وی ہیو ون ٹاپک وچ از فزیشین ایسوسیٹس the answer to the NHS crisis. In the second hour, we have another interesting topic and we'll let you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, we actually encourage people who can uh, join us on this show. We do have guests to whom we speak. They, they are specialists in their field. And we do have, uh, uh, we do talk to them uh, and uh, we get the maximum uh, knowledge out of them. But if you want to uh, sort of share your opinion uh, about anything, you please, you can call us on 0208-687-7878. Uh, and you can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK. So the topic uh, today, we are going to talk about physician associates. This is something I think is very current at the moment uh, in the news. Uh, there are lots of discussions being, um, you know, uh, on the media, you can see that uh, physician associates also, although it was uh, something which was welcomed initially uh, because of the shortage of uh, doctors, particularly the GPs, there is a huge shortage of doctors in the NHS and therefore this program was brought in uh, and we have uh, quite a few physician associates who have already uh, graduated and they're working uh, and there are uh, lots of uh, more physician associates who are training at the moment but there has been a debate recently whether it is safe to uh, for the patients that they are being seen not by the fully qualified doctors, but they are being seen by somebody who has been trained uh, for much less period because a doctor, a medical doctor, uh, when he is training, he after um, uh, after their uh, A levels, they go in on to uh, joining a university for five years, a medical school. And then following that, they have like attachments there. There is training for two years. And then um, there's a long period, many, many years of uh, they have to work uh, at a level, which is the training levels of uh, SHOs, senior house officer. And then uh, as a registrar, following the registrarship, they become um, the specialist registrars uh, and then uh, after uh, you know due experience they become consultants or if they choose to they go into general practice even for general practice they have to do like three years training before they start seeing their patients uh, even during registrarship of course they have um, they, they there is training uh, on the job so while they are working they are being trained as well so, um, so basically, um, in comparison, the physician associates are the ones who actually, um, they are, of course, they are graduates, and they get into this training. Uh, it is also competitive, uh, and they are, uh, of course, uh, they have a very good knowledge, and they're usually from the associated fields uh, and who are taken into uh, uh, having a training for the phys physician associates. And, but their training is only limited to two years. 
Now, this two years training, after the two years training, of course, they have to follow the protocols. They have to be working under, uh, um, they have to work under guidance, under supervision. Uh, however, I mean, the questions have been raised and there, there is a recent debate which has been sparked um, uh, within the medical community with concerns about patient safety and the blurring um, um, of lines between doctors and PAs and the regulatory oversight of these professionals. So as I mentioned, who are these physician associates? These are They are healthcare professionals with a graduate level education, typically a two-year postgraduate master's degree in physician associate studies. So their training focuses on a generalist model of care, allowing them to support doctors in the diagnosis and management of patients. Doctors, in, on the other hand, doctors undergo extensive training, as I mentioned earlier, that includes a medical degree followed by years of postgraduate training. Um, including residency and often fellowship programs for specialization. This training is broader and deeper, covering both the science and art of medicine, surgical skills, and specialized care, depending on the field. Physician associates are not doctors. and They are graduates, often not in medicine, who have completed a two-year master's course in physician associate studies. Since 2004, uh, like it's uh, 20 years now, uh, they have been part of the NHS workforce intended to support doctors uh, by taking medical histories, performing examinations, and diagnosing uh, illnesses under the supervision of a doctor. So they, they are working under supervision of a qualified doctor. The NHS plans to significantly increase their numbers from 4,000 to 10,000 by 2038. So this is to fill in the gaps. You know, you know, that's, that's where there is a, um, the problem is arising because they, if they are taken as such, according to their experience, they are taken into field under supervision and uh, <clears throat> they can be a helping hand. But if they are uh, filled in, in place of the qualified doctors, that's where the problem arises because um, then they do not have adequate knowledge to handle the cases independently. That's the very first thing. And uh, one has to be careful because uh, you know if you don't have the full knowledge of, of, of an illness, then the patients, of course, they, they would be at risk. And you don't want, uh, you know, nobody wants uh, to, to be at risk. Everybody wants that he, he sees a qualified person and he's diagnosed correctly and he, he is triaged according to the requirements rather than, you know, um, somebody who is uh, who's not confident in himself uh, but it can be sometimes it can be that they are overconfident and then the certain things can be ignored, which is, again, risky. So one has to be careful that, you know, if you if you put the thing, you know, in a proper way, then, of course, it will be useful that they, they, they are there and they are helping the doctors, particularly when we have a, a lot of shortage of doctors. Um, but the main problem with the doctors again, if you have you you must have uh, been observing that there have been long periods of uh, strikes by the doctors because they are not being paid enough. 
Um, they, particularly the junior doctors, their salaries have been the same, like at least I know that for the last more than 10 years, they have been uh, frozen. They are not going up. Uh, particularly, you know, many other health healthcare professionals are not or being underpaid as well. So in this situation, the one solution they have tried to find out is to, to, to replace the doctors with somebody. They have to pay less and then they, they are expected to do the same work as the doctors, but they are not doctors, one has to understand. And so they are not able to, uh, you know, they, they do not have the adequate skills to deal with the things which they are expected to deal with independently, they can only work under supervision, and they are they can be safe only when they are appropriately supervised, and then then they will be fine. So this this is the this is the thing that uh, uh, that is of concern. So the holy prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every Muslim. And this hadith underscores the importance of acquiring knowledge, which includes medical knowledge to help heal and care for people. So what it indicates is that, you know, anybody who is seeking knowledge for the sake of it being beneficial to mankind, of course, it is rewarded. So the people who are in this field, of course, uh, they um, they are doing something which is considered to be a good deed in sight of Allah because they are going to help. They are going to um, help the people who are in need. So if there is a shortage of doctors and there is somebody who has acquires the medical knowledge in order to help people, uh, particularly to give them health, and they can be beneficial, and of course, they are going to be rewarded according to um, the Sadis. One, they are following the instructions of of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that they are acquiring knowledge, and particularly if the knowledge of is that of uh, uh, something which is which is beneficial and which is useful. Of course, that is uh, that is going to be uh, you know helpful, and that is going to be rewarded by God Almighty. Again, the, uh, the Holy Quran, um, it is said, that, and when I fall ill, it is he who restores me to health. That's chapter 26, uh, verse 81. So uh, what it indicates is that, you know, when anybody, be, for, for that matter, he, he becomes ill, um, he does not get better unless Allah wills him to get better. So the health comes from God Almighty. So there are different fields of medicine there there are different like branches of medicine as well and uh, so so you try um, initially you know the physician tries then then there, there can be a, a level where you require surgery then the surgeons come in and they are the ones they, they have to play their part and um, so similarly there are various branches of uh, medicine as well like we've got allopathy the normal way of treatment um, which is allopathic medicine there is also ayurvedic medicine where uh, you know the herbs are used and uh, uh, to treat people and they have been very successful and particularly in india and uh, pakistan as well um, uh, maybe some other countries as well the, the ayurvedic is is very very popular it can be it can be very useful as well 
Um, similarly, homeopathy. Homeopathy. There is. There has been a lot of debate about homeopathy, whether it is it works or not. There has been. Um, uh, there has been a certain type of uh, um, uh, treatments which have been given, and some some trials have also taken place. But the problem with the comparing with the homeopathic medicine uh, with allopathic medicine is that we cannot hold the double uh, blind control trials because um, of the, the limitations in the homeopathy, the way the approach to the patient is very, very different because they treat according to the symptoms, they diagnose according to the symptoms, and they sometimes their diagnosis is a particular medicine, that this is a patient of such and such medicine. So it is very, very difficult to, con to have a compare to comparison and, and a double uh, uh, blind controlled trial. So this is, this is why um, uh, NHS, uh, for example, you know, they have stopped prescribing of uh, homeopathic medicine. So there are the different uh, ways to treat, but if, you know, it, it ends with cure of a person who is, who is dealing with that, then of course, you know, any system would be, would be appreciable. Uh, but today, of course, we are talking about the physician associates, and uh, I have uh, with me my first guest, who is uh, Farooq Deen. Um, Farooq Deen is is a, uh, is a is a medical doctor. He's working in uh, Liverpool uh, Royal Hospital, and um, so uh, I invite him. Um, uh, welcome. And Dr. Uh, Farooq Deen. Assalamu alaikum, uh, uh, Dr. Farooq. How are you? Good. How are you, Dr. Saab? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Of course, we are uh, uh, discussing a, a, a slightly controversial topic, which is in the discussions nowadays, uh, the hot debate about, about it. Uh, and it's about the physician associates. But before we go on to them, um, uh, can I ask you, could you tell us about yourself and the work you do? Yeah, so I'm currently I'm working in cardiology, but I have rotated through you know emergency medicine, general medicine, uh, and I've encountered physician associates on my day-to-day -day basis. So I have a very um, you know first-hand experience oh, of them. Oh, that's great. Okay, so so how does the training of a physician associate compare to that of a doctor, and what uh, are uh, the main uh, differences in the curriculum between PA and medical school? I don't think you can compare the training at all. I think it's completely different. Mm -hmm. um, a physician associate course is only two years. A medical course is five years or six years in a very intense, detailed, supervised manner. Whereas a physician associate, you know, you can do a bachelor's in a science mm -hmm. or some universities, you don't even have to do a science. You can have any master, any degree and you can upscale to do a two-year physician associate degree. Unfortunately, obviously, you know, some, some physician associates who I've met, they've been working in investment banking for the past 15 years. Mm -hmm. And then because 15 years ago, they've done a degree in biomedical science, yeah. they are entitled to do a, a master's to become a physician associate. So that means just with two years experience, they are, or two years degree, they are seeing patients, they are pr trying to start management. So actually, a lot of medical doctors feel that there is no comparison between the education a physician associate gets and a doctor gets. 
All right. Okay. Uh, you know that uh, the British Association, Medical Association, has expressed a strong opposition to the government's plans to have the GMC regulate uh, physician assistants, arguing that it would diminish the role of doctors and potentially confuse patients. Uh, what do you say about that? Um, I fully agree with the British Medical Association's stance on this. Um, in the physician associates that I've encountered in hospital, they don't differentiate that they are the physician associate. There's been many patients who I've met who said, oh, I thought they were a doctor mm -hmm. about the physician associate. I think regulating them by the GMC definitely undermines the role of a doctor. Right, okay. So so they are, they are right. It's, it's, completely, uh, it's completely different to the American model. In America, they use physician associates very well, and they are actually used as the assistant to the doctor how they are meant to be used, you know, to help the doctor with the diagnosis, but not to replace the doctor. But in the UK, it seems that they're replacing the doctors with the physician associates. You know, doctors in training are complaining of lack of training opportunities because the, the consultant would rather take the physician associate with them for the procedure because the doctors in training are rotating every three to four months. Mm -hmm. So the, the consultant doesn't know them as well, whereas the physician associate is there permanently. You know, it's it's really disadvantaging doctors. All right. Okay. So uh, yeah, yeah. So so the the name. I think if, if there there is a suggestion that if the name is changed to physician assistant, that might clarify more, particularly for the patients, that who they are seeing. Uh, originally, I think that was the name, and it was changed to physician associates by them. But the BMA wants them to be referred to as physician assistants, again, to help with the um, ambiguous role that they have. But um, I don't think that is going to happen with this current government plan. All right. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, what tasks or procedures can a physician associate perform independently? And how do the responsibilities of a physician associate differ from those of a doctor? So... In hospital, they are trying to use them identical to a doctor, mm -hmm. but the, they're not allowed to prescribe medications. They're not allowing to. They're not allowed to order ionizing radiation, so they can't order X-rays. They can't order scans. They can't prescribe. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, they, the, the tasks that they can do are limited because of their restrictions placed on their role. So they they should be working under supervision, whatever they are doing, aren't they? Uh, they should be, but again, in reality, you can say supervision, what defines supervision? Because, you know, out of our hospitals are not staffed with supervision. Your supervisor could be a registrar, but that registrar is responsible for 900 patients in the hospital. So how supervised is supervision? But, you know, the government are using this as a, as a way to fill in gaps, because obviously employing doctors is more expensive in the long run, but actually it's going to be patient care which eventually will suffer. Right, okay. So is they basically um, trying to save some money can, can uh, you know, they can end up with more problems? Definitely, and there's been many, many cases in the media of um, poor diagnoses by physician associates. So um, how do physicians associate typically collaborate with the doctors in patient care? And what level of supervision do physician associates require when working with patients? I mean, I think they're unsupervised. If you look in general practice now, where I think you yourself have worked in general practice and you know how complex it is to have patients in general practice and what a wide variety of skills you need. Yeah. Nowadays, 
you can do this two-year physician associate upskilling and you can be an investment banker before this. Two years later, you are working in a GP practice unsupervised, seeing patients, making plans, even sending patients home without having to always discuss with the GP. Whereas a doctor who has been a doctor for five to six years in the middle, middle grade level, a registrar, is not allowed to work in a GP practice because they are not a GP qualified. They're not even allowed to work in the role of a physician associate. So there's a very big problem here because a doctor who is not a GP, but they could be very qualified. They could have MRCP. They could have other membership exams. They're not allowed to work in GP practices. But obviously, they are more qualified than a physician associate. But instead, the government is allowing physician associates to work in these practices. And they are incentivizing this for the GP. So they are paying GP practices money to accept physician associates and giving them funding. Uh, right. I, I think there has been a, a, a case particularly, um, you know, the, the, that's where the concerns have been raised been where uh, a tra- tragic incident uh, happened and when a PA misdiagnosed a patient's symptoms leading to a preventable death. And that has, uh, you know, obviously um, uh, that raised to the issues uh, of this, uh, uh, the concerns about the um, safety uh, being dealt with by a physician associate, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. This is uh, this is uh, we are going to unfortunately there's going to be many many more of these incidents happening. So um, you know, looking at the positive side, in your experience, how do you how do physician associates complement the work of doctors and other healthcare professionals within the healthcare to, system? To, I think to use them positively, there is a role for them potentially, but the role needs to be clearly defined. Mm-hmm. Currently, that's not happening with the clearly defined role. Doctors, you know, there's a lot of paperwork, there's a lot of administration that doctors have to do. Um, Discharge summaries, they have to do ordering of scans, liaising between different um, members of the team. This is a good role for them to help ease the pressure so that doctors can focus on training, they can focus on making the patients better, and the physician associates or assistants, as they should be called, um, can help with these sort of roles where they are helping, you know, with the doctor's administration. So, so uh, you know, with your experience, what what do you think is the solution to the shortage of doctors? This is a million-pound question, I think. <laughs> the, the, the problem is there needs to be more training numbers. Mm-hmm. Currently, there's a backlog in training. This year, over 7,000 people have applied to become a GP in the UK. And we already know in the UK that there's a shortage of GPs. We have known this for such a long time that there's a shortage in GPs. But we are not fulfilling the shortage because there's only 4,000 jobs for training. So that means that 3,000 doctors who want to become GPs are not going to become GPs because there's not enough space. Mm-hmm. Again, this is seen in multiple specialties, in gastroenterology, in anesthetics. For example, in radiology, the ratio of applications to training jobs is about five or six to one. So that means for every one job, there's six people applying. You know, if we increase the numbers of training, we would have more doctors. It's a simple solution, but unfortunately, you know, the money and all of this is the problem. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, this is this is a problem that we we don't address the root of the problem. But you know, that's a, uh, but this is up to the policymakers. Thank you very much for joining us and giving your uh, comments. And I hope that our listeners have benefited out of that. And uh, thank you again for joining us this afternoon. Have thank you nice for having evening. me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this was uh, Dr. Farooq Deen uh, speaking from uh, Liverpool Royal Hospital where he's working at the moment, uh, speaking about the role of physician associates after having had a lot of experience dealing with, uh, you know, the physician associates working in the hospitals. And uh, he has very correctly said that it's a, um, it's a solution which is uh, unlikely to be to be working, although you know it is, it has been, uh, it is working in in the United States. It's working very successfully because they have very clear guidelines, and the the the, um, the physician associates are used as helping the doctors, assisting the doctors rather than giving them independent roles. Which, although it is said that they will be. Um, supervised, but the supervision in the circumstances which are currently in the hospitals as well as in the general practice, it is it is impossible that they they would be supervised all the time. So these are the the concerns are there. Although I mean they can fill in the the gaps, and there is a lot of work which they can um, uh, sort of safely do that. And they you know if the if the if the guidelines are clear, if the protocols are clear and they are following that, then that would be fine. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Amr reported um, that the Messenger of Allah, the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, whoever practices medicine without any prior knowledge of medicine will be held liable. Now, this is something of concern that, you know, you are not only as responsible that you have to face um, the, you know, legal implications of what you are doing uh, because of the culture we have here is that, you know, you are very easily sued by the, the patients, uh, particularly, you know, somebody can say that they were deceived because they thought that they were seeing a fully qualified doctor, whereas they were not. So they will be in trouble. But uh, apart from that, you are responsible and you are accountable um, uh, from God Almighty as well because if you don't have the knowledge and you show that you do have that knowledge of medicine, you would be liable and, and uh, you know, you will be held accountable. So that is something to, to, to think about as well. We're talking again, talking about the physician uh, associates, uh, their training and qualifications. Uh, the physician associates and doctors perform many overlapping functions within the healthcare system, particularly in the context of patient examination and management. However, there are significant differences in their training, scope of practice, level of autonomy, and the roles they play within the healthcare team. Um, again, talking about the, uh, Prophet, the Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that the best among you are those who bring greatest benefits to many others. So, in a way, the physician associates, they are helping and they, are, uh, they have been brought in so that they can help the doctors who are already overworked, underpaid, and uh, you know, of course, if they if they get, if they get a helping hand, of course, it is going to be um, useful, and they can do something 
better than you know their time being spent in writing things which uh, anybody can do or or a much less qualified person can do the same things like uh, our guest was mentioning that the discharge summaries they can do they can um, do a lot of paperwork writing the histories and uh, particularly you know covering all the the, the legal aspects as well uh, and they can be very, very useful. However, you know, it's just that the, the clear guidelines should be there. And if they, if those are followed, then, uh, you know, the scope of practice is very, very important that, you know, what is their scope of practice? So uh, uh, just to look at the comparison based on the scope of practice as outlined by the faculty of physician associates at the Royal College of Physicians, uh, for uh, for the physician associates is that they should be taking medical histories and they carry out physical examinations. Now these these are both these things are done by doctors as well. So they they see patients with undifferentiated diagnoses and long term chronic conditions. And the physician associates also also formulate differential diagnosis and management plans. They perform certain diagnostic and therapeutic procedures. Um, they can request and interpret diagnostic tests. They can provide health promotion and disease prevention advice. Uh, I think some of this work is done already by the nurses, but this will be obviously slightly higher level. They can provide uh, you know, the, the disease prevention, which is very, very important. Um, currently, it is um, there is a major role of the preventive medicine, and 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 that has been, you know, instead of suffering, you you do something before you suffer, and you can prevent something happening to you, uh, just by simple measures, simple you know change of lifestyle. Um, uh, so that is health promotion. So if you are working on that, you'll be you'll be able to help people um, to prevent a disease. Although PAs, uh, that's the physician associates, can make independent decisions, they are considered dependent practitioners, meaning their practice is defined and limited by their level of competence and must be under the oversight of a supervising doctors. As we discussed earlier, that's of course, by all means, they can work under the supervising doctor, but is it supervising doctor available all the time? That is another question. Now, as regards the doctors, what role they are they normally play? They perform all the functions of physician associates, but with a broader and more in-depth approach. That that is where the difference is. And they conduct complex diagnostic and therapeutic procedures because they are trained for it. They make autonomous decisions regarding patient care including diagnosing, prescribing, and conducting surgery for surgeons. Depending on the field, you know, if you're working in the field of surgery, of course, they, um, surgery is something which is, you know, the more you do, the better you get. So if they are, they are training their day and night, they are in the same field, they, they can be appropriately trained and they can do the same procedure, of course, under supervision. And they, uh, the doctors, they can, you know, they perform all sorts of procedures and because of adequate training they have had. And they, in particular field, if they choose to go in a particular speciality, they are able to, uh, you know, do the advanced procedures on that. 
for example, you know, somebody who is doing a cardiac catheterization, doing the angioplasties and uh, uh, angiographies, um, then, you know, with training, they can do all sorts of procedures, which the specialist or their seniors do. Um, even during the training levels, the doctors can perform all those procedures because they are supposed to do that. Again, uh, the doctors are responsible for the overall management of patients, including those with complex and multifaceted conditions. They can work independently without the need for supervision, and they can supervise other health care professionals, including the physician assist associates. Um, of course, all the other health care professionals, they come uh, particularly if, if you're working in a general practice, then all the um, other staff other than doctors, they, they are working under the supervision of the um, doctors or the GP partners. Uh, and, and that includes the uh, physician associates, that includes the nurses, that includes the um, those who are uh, the students that were coming there, uh, getting their training. So all that, the, the doctors can perform independently. Um, and the uh, whereas a physician associate is a dependent practitioner who works under the supervision of doctors. They can practice independently in the sense of seeing patients and making decisions within their competence. But this independence is facilitated through supportive working relationships with their clinical supervisors. Doctors, they have full autonomy in their practice and they are responsible for making independent, high-stakes decisions. They can supervise and delegate tasks to, uh, to the physician associates and other health care professionals. Coming to the Islamic teaching again in the Holy Quran, it says, and whoso saved a life, it shall be as if he had saved the life of all mankind. That's from chapter 5, verse 33. Of course, a very, very important uh, uh, verse of the Holy Quran, which guides us how important or how precious it is um, to God Almighty who has created a life, that that life is saved. You know, so, so God Almighty gives the credit that whosoever saves even one life, you know, it is as if he has saved the life of all mankind. So it's such an important message in this uh, verse. Uh, whereas, you know, sometimes the, li the, the lives are taken, um, you know, for, for no reason and without even giving a thought about it, that, you know, what, what they're doing, uh, you know, what are the consequences of that. The high value Islam places on saving life is a fundamental aspect of the medical profession. Now, before we, we go ahead, our head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he gave a talk um, uh, to, the, uh, to the members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Medical Association. And uh, let's uh, go on and listen to that, and then we'll ca carry on the rest of the program. I wish to present an excerpt of the Prophet Messiah regarding the spirit of sincere service of humanity that he desired to see amongst the members of his Jamaat. The Prophet said, Sincerely, uh, sincerity towards others and love for humanity is a part of faith. The definition of the highest moral 
values is that sincere kindness and sympathy by uh, be professed towards all humanity without any expectation of reward or recompense this is what is known a true humanity the promise of al-islam for the states allah the almighty never forsakes those people who hold within their hearts sincere love for humanity these precious words of the promise of al-islam should be your guiding light and remain etched in your heart and mind at all times they should <clears throat> they should uh, underscore the fact that through allah's grace and mercy alone you have been able to acquire the knowledge and proficiency through which you can help and serve humanity in a way that others cannot and so you must utilize these skills for the sake of alleviating the suffering of mankind <clears throat> thus it should not be that our amadi doctors utilize their expertise only for the sake of earning the riches of the world or for climbing the professional ladder rather it is imperative that each and every one of you sacrifices a significant period of your lives for the service of the jamaat by utilizing your expertise and training for the sake of humanity only then will you fulfill the rights of mankind according to your capabilities and only then will you be counted amongst those people who have acquired the highest morals as outlined uh, outlined by the prophet al-islam <clears throat> at the end taking benefit of this event i wish to address not only the members of the medical association in the uk but all amdi doctors and medical professionals across the world always remember that you must utilize the skills and knowledge you have acquired to fulfill the needs of humanity <clears throat> as i have said you should sacrifice your time for the jamaat <clears throat> rather than only focusing upon your worldly careers may allah the almighty enable all of you to discharge your uh, duties to humanity to the very best of your abilities and to fulfill the expectations of the promised Islam and of khulafa of the jamaat ahmadiyya
in the very best way. You are listening to uh, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, who is the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He was addressing the members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Medical Association. And, uh, of course, he has given the basic Islamic teachings that we should be compassionate, we should be um, trying to to be as beneficial to mankind as possible, and we should be um, you know, compassionate and uh, serve as much as we can um, to all those who are suffering. So uh, the, uh, this is uh, Drive Time Show, which is a live program um, on Radio Voice of Islam. Uh, I'm Dr. Tariq Anwar Pajwa. I'm hosting this program today. And uh, the topic we are discussing uh, is physician associates, their role in NHS. So there has been um, some hot debates about their roles, and we are talking about that. We also spoke to one of our guests, uh, who is a working doctor and who has had experience with working with the phys- physician associates. Uh, if you want uh, or you have an opinion about this and you want to talk about it, you can either tweet at uh, at Voice, Voice of Islam UK or you can ring directly at 0208-687-7878. So the physician associates, they support doctors and the healthcare team by providing generalist care managing caseloads and ensuring continuity of care. They are crucial in bridging gaps in healthcare delivery, especially in areas of high demand or where there are shortages of medical professionals. Uh, I think this is the first thing where the reason why the the physician uh, associates were brought in was the shortage of the um, properly qualified medical professionals. Now, the doctors, they lead the healthcare team, providing supervision, guidance, and mentorship to other healthcare professionals, including the physician associates. They are ultimately responsible for the diagnosis, treatment, and management of patients, especially in complex cases or when advanced medical interventions are required. In chapter 3, verse 111 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has stated that a, a Muslim is he who enjoins what is good and forbids evil. Here, the Holy Quran explains that true Muslims are people who promote goodness, they stay away from evil and injustice, and they encourage others to do good deeds as well. Only a person who has a sincere love for mankind uh, and uh, feels the anguish of God's creation can be caring and sympathetic in the way the Holy Quran desires. Such profound love for humanity is only possible if your heart is pure and free from malice and selfishness. Now, the, refer- uh, the reference from chapter 3, verse 111 of the Holy Quran, which I just mentioned, uh, which speaks about uh, enjoining what is good and forbidding evil, holds significant relevance in the context of healthcare. This directive emphasizes the moral and ethical responsibilities of individuals, urging them to promote positive actions and prevent harm. When applied to the healthcare sector, this principle underscores the foundational values that should guide medical professionals, including both doctors and physician associates in their practice. The verse also encourages healthcare professionals to foster a sincere love for humanity, an attribute that is crucial for compassionate care. 
This love motivates professionals to go beyond mere technical competence, enabling them to connect with patients on a human level, understand their sufferings, and strive to alleviate them. In a healthcare setting, this manifests as patient-centered care, empathy, and a com commitment to understanding and addressing the holistic needs of patients. Further extending the relevance of this verse, healthcare professionals are positioned to advocate for public health measures that promote the well-being of the broader community. By enjoining good and forbidding evil, they can play a pivotal role in public health advocacy, disease prevention campaigns, and efforts to address health disparities and injustices within the healthcare system. Um, now, what are the physician's concerns? Uh, let's have a look at that. A significant majority of doctors, that is 87%, that's of course a huge majority, uh, they believe that the way PAs are utilized in the NHS poses a threat to patient safety. The BMA suggests remain, uh, renaming PAs as physician assistants. Uh, to clear any confusion about their role and qualifications. Moreover, there is a call for equitable pay as it is reported that PAs earn significantly more than new qualified, uh, newly qualified doctors despite their lack of comprehensive medical training. And now looking at the professional response, the medical professional response has included advertisements and lobbying against the regulation of the physician associates by the GMC with the BMA leading the charge. Medical royal colleges are experiencing internal dissent with members demanding a revaluation of support for medical associate professionals, including the physician associates. Now, the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh has voiced significant concerns, emphasizing that uh, physician associates should not substitute doctors and warning against the expansion of their roles beyond their qualifications. The GMC supports the development of uh, physician assistant of associates, recognizing their potential contribution to the healthcare system under the condition of strict regulatory oversight to ensure patient safety. Physician associates will be required to clarify their role to patients and work within their competence limits. Now that's where, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an important point because, you know, if a physician associate, when he introduces himself or herself to, uh, to the patient, they should be um, clearly indicating that, you know, what their qualification or what their role is. Because if they are not doing that, they are uh, being dishonest and of course they are um, likely to put themselves into trouble later on. The Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad may peace be upon him, uh, he also said that the merchant who is honest and truthful will be counted with the prophets, the truthful and the martyrs. This is a great, uh, you know, words of the, the Holy Prophet may peace be upon him that the merchant who is honest and truthful will be counted with the prophets, the truthful, and the martyrs. Great words. The hadith from Tirmidhi, which elevates honest merchants to the esteemed company of prophets, 
the truthful and martyrs extends its moral imperatives to of honesty and truthfulness beyond commerce to encompass all professionals all professions including the medical field for doctors and physicians this hadith underscores the paramount importance of integrity transparency and ethical decision making in their practice upholding these virtues in diagnosing treating patients and communicating about medical conditions and treatment options is crucial for building trust and fostering a therapeutic relationship based on informed consent furthermore professional accountability and moral leadership are highlighted emphasizing that uh, physicians by embodying honesty and truthfulness not only adhere to the highest ethical standards of their profession but also inspire confidence and respect within the community and the healthcare system at large this commitment positions them as moral leaders aligning their professional conduct with the noblest values celebrated in islamic tradition and reinforcing the societal trust placed in the medical profession the promised messiah peace be upon him uh, the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mirza ulam ahmad afqadian he has uh, further stated that allah the almighty never forsakes those people who hold within their hearts sincere love for humanity of course uh, you know the the holy founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community he himself uh, had got some training from uh, his father who who also did uh, the job of a physician and uh, he uh, had a lot of experience so he learned some medicine from him and, and the it was the practice of the promised messiah on whom be peace hazrat mirza ulama ahmed afqadian that he would keep uh, you know some boxes where he kept the medicine and uh, because in in that small village where uh, you know he came from fakadian was a very very small village and there were no like facilities of the, the medical facilities there very um uh, you know it's very small town uh, it's not even a town it's a small village and at that time there's nobody available to for the patients and so lots of uh, particularly the ladies with the with the children who were suffering who were sick well they would come to him and uh, you know despite his most important work that he was doing you know uh, because you know he he was so busy writing the books defending islam and he had um, you know he has written more than 85 books uh, and apart from that he was meeting people who was uh, holding discussions and um, a lot of important tasks but he would leave those important tasks and he would just serve these people he would you know um, get the the medication out of his box and individually give to these children and th- there was a lot of noise and one of the companions hazrat maulvi abdul karim was his name may allah be pleased with him he he has narrated that once i saw that uh, these you know the these villager uh, ladies with uh, many children they were gathered around the promised messiah islam and he had opened many boxes of medicine and he was individually listening to each and every one of them and then uh, selecting the medicine and giving it to uh, to to them and he said that i i was observing and i saw that more than 2 hours he spent just doing that 
And uh, later on, he, he said that I asked him that, you know, you have such an important task upon you, which God has appointed you as a reformer of the time. And uh, um, so leaving all that, how come you, you are spending so much time, uh, the, uh, so much time is wasted um, in doing that? And, uh, you know, his reply, it was an amazing reply. He said that this is also my job. It's a job of prophethood that I should be beneficial for these people. These are pe poor people. They don't have the facilities of medicine. So I specially uh, arrange these medicine to be brought in so that I have them in, in storage and I provide them when they come to me. So it is also the task of the prophet that uh, you know he helps the people who are in need. And uh, you know serving the mankind is also part of uh, the job which I have been given. So that was, uh, you know, I, I think that is the spirit, that if we, we are working with that spirit in mind, uh, you, you're becoming beneficial to people. Of course, if you are within your, your limitations and you're working, that, that is great. The, the, the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, said, uh, God, his angels, and all those in heaven and on earth, even ants in their hills and fish in the water, called on blessings on those who instruct others in beneficial knowledge. Um, this hadith emphasizes the virtue of spreading beneficial knowledge, including medical knowledge that can save lives and improve health. The introduction and expansion of physician associates in the NHS represent a complex solution to the workforce crisis. While they can potentially alleviate some of the pressures on the healthcare system, significant concern remains regarding patient safety, professional roles and regulatory oversight. The debate underscores the need of a careful, balanced approach that respects the district, the distinct roles within healthcare, ensures the highest standards of patient care, and addresses the workforce challenges facing the NHS. The answer may lie in a combination of expanding the P, uh, physician associate workforce while addressing the concerns of the medical profession to ensure that patient safety and care quality are not compromised. In summary, while the physician associates play an increasingly vital role in supporting the healthcare system and can perform many tasks traditionally undertaken by, uh, by doctors, their role is distinct with limitations on their scope of practice and autonomy. The collaboration between physician associates and doctors is essential for delivering high quality healthcare with each professional bringing their unique skills and training to the patient care continuum. So this, this program today, we have uh, spoken about the physician associates, um, whether they can be, uh, they are uh, useful members of the healthcare professionals, um, uh, as long as they are, they are remaining within their jurisdiction, where they are, their limits, and they can be um, of a huge benefit. Uh, as long as they are within that one. So uh, this first topic was about the physician associates. Um, next topic is an interesting topic is about uh, um, true love. So you'll be interested in listening to that. That should be uh, after the news. So after the news, please join us. Writings of the Promised Messiah, salam. When a hot-tempered person is provoked and punishes a child, he takes on the role of an enemy in the stress of his anger and imposes punishment far in excess of the wrong which has been done. An individual with self-respect and control over himself, who is also forbearing and dignified, 
has the right to correct a child to a certain extent, as the occasion demands, or seek to guide the child. But a wrathful and hot-headed person, who is easily provoked, is not fit to be a guardian of children. I wish that instead of punishing children, parents would have recourse to prayer and should make it a habit to supplicate earnestly for their children, for the supplications of parents on behalf of their children meet with special acceptance. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace be on um, all of you. Um, uh, welcome back to the Drive Time Show on Radio Voice of Islam. Um, we, we have just come back for our second uh, session, which is uh, from five to six. In the first hour, we discussed uh, an important uh, hot debate about the uh, physician associates, and we spoke to our guest uh, uh, about that as well. This uh, hour, we'll be speaking about true love, marriage, and harmony. I'm sure many of you would be interested in um, this particular topic. Um, your own experiences, experiences around you in your households, uh, friends. Uh, so all all of us have different experiences about uh, somebody finding true love, whether through marriage and the harmony particularly associated with the marriages. So if you want to get involved into the discussion, you could call at 020-8687-7878, uh, or you can tweet at Voice of Islam UK. Um, this is uh, your host for the Drive Time show today is Dr. Tariq Anwar Bajwa. Um, so um, in this uh, topic, we are going to discuss about the Islamic teachings, the perspective uh, from the Islamic point of view, as well as, uh, you know, what are the factors which are involved, how you can achieve harmony in marriage, how you can um, sort of find true love. If, if, if we are not able to give you the tips, at least we'll, um, we'll talk to our, our guests as well and have the... Uh, some knowledge uh, from him as well. The Holy Quran, uh, which is the holy book of uh, Muslims, are revealed on the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and it is a great guidance, and we usually seek guidance from the Holy Quran. The Holy Quran, in chapter 79, verse 9, it says, And we created you in pairs. Now, in a world filled with ever-changing notions of love and relationships, we turn to the timeless wisdom of Islam to explore the true essence of love. Join us on this enlightening journey as we delve into the depths of Islamic teachings, hadith, and practical advice to uncover the secrets of nurturing a love that is not only rooted in righteousness, but also guided by the example set by our beloved Prophet Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Whether single, married, or seeking, seeking to deepen your understanding of love in Islam, this show offers valuable insights and actionable advice to cultivate a love that brings joy, fulfillment, and spiritual growth. In Islamic tradition, marriage is considered a sacred bond and finding a righteous partner is emphasized. The Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that a woman is married for four things, her wealth, 
her family status, her beauty, and her religion. So choose the one who is religious. May your hands be rubbed with dust. Now that is a, an uh, Arabic saying, which, which means that may you prosper. So uh, the thing is that uh, these are the four bases on which you choose um, somebody who you select for your to be, to be your your wife, and he has advised that you you usually look at their wealth, you look at their family status, do you look at uh, her beauty, uh, and also you look you look at you know what religion she belongs to or whether she's religious or not, whether she's righteous or not. So the righteousness, he said that you should look at that whether she's righteous or not. That should be the priority. Of course, if she has the other things associated with that, that is a bonus. Uh, you know, if she can be wealthy, like, uh, you know, the the first wife of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Khadija, you know, when he married uh, her, although she was uh, older than him, uh, he was 25, she was uh, 40 years of age at that time, um, and she was a widow. Yet, you know, she she was a very pious lady, and uh, she, she came from a very noble family, and uh, she was also wealthy. And, uh, you know, when once they got married, they, you know, she actually um, gave away or as a gift all her wealth to, to the Holy Prophet, her husband, and uh, also uh, with the uh, intention that, you know, he was free to, to spend wherever he could. And, uh, and that's what uh, he asked her, you know, that if you are giving this to me, am I free to use wherever I, I want to? And, and she uh, replied in the affirmative, and uh, listening to that, the first thing what he did, because there were lots of slaves also. At that time, it was the time when it was a custom, normal custom to have the slaves. And she also owned many slaves. And um, sometimes he gave it to the Holy Prophet. May peace be upon him. And the first thing what he did was that he freed those slaves. So these slaves were freed by him. But one of the slaves uh, was the one who um, refused to go away. And that was, uh, uh, his name was Hazrat Zad. Uh, Zad preferred, he said that I prefer to stay with you rather than be freed. I would like to be to remain with you. And that was, you know, looking at the mora the morals, the high, uh, you know, the, the, the level of the way they were, he was being treated in that home, that he preferred that he, he would stay with them. And he, he did stay with him. Um, to the to the extent that when you know when his pa his father and his uncle came to take him away, uh, he refused to go even then. So 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 that was like um, something supplementary. But the the thing is that um, you know when you are you are finding a, a suitable match, you are looking for these things and the righteousness. If you prefer, if your priority is right. And um, then of obviously the other things will come with it because God Almighty, who uh, looks at your hearts, uh, how pure they are, if you are uh, pure and if you are uh, um, seeking help from him all the time, um, he blesses you. And, and these um, sort of relationships are much more successful if the basis 
One is it is based on the truthfulness, and the second that uh, you choose on the basis of the piety or the righteousness, then it is more likely to be um, successful. The, the partnership or the marriage is, is likely to be more successful. This hadith also underscores the importance of prioritizing religious commitment when seeking a spouse. It encourages individuals to look beyond superficial um, qualities and focus on finding a partner who is righteous and who is devout. Now, there have been studies about you know spousal influence on success and happiness, and there are numerous studies they have highlighted the significant impact of spousal relationship on individual well-being, success, and happiness. Research suggests that having a supportive and compatible spouse can lead to higher levels of satisfaction in various aspects of life, including career success, emotional well-being, and overall happiness. Studies have also found that couples who share similar values, goals, and religious beliefs tend to experience greater marital satisfaction and longevity. This alignment fosters um, mutual understanding, cooperation, and harmony within the relationship, contributing to a sense of fulfillment and happiness for both partners. Now, what is the importance of the shared goals and values in marriage? Looking at that, you know, finding a partner who shares the same goals in life, particularly in serving God and adhering to Islamic values, is essential for a successful and fulfilling marriage. When both spouses are committed to living according um, to Islamic principles and striving towards spiritual growth, they can support and encourage each other in their faith journey. So if you have, you know, if you are going in the same direction, of course, it is, it is going to be helpful and it's going to be more successful. Uh, it's very likely that it's going to be much more successful. Um, of course, uh, it enables couples to navigate life's challenges together with resilience and dedication, ultimately depending their bond and strengthening their commitment to each other and to their shared faith. In summary, Islam emphasizes the importance of seeking a righteous partner uh, based on religious commitment and studies affirm the positive impact of spousal compatibility on success and happiness. Finding someone with shared goals and values, particularly in serving God and upholding Islamic principles, is key to building a strong and fulfilling uh, marital relationship. In Islam, marriage is not just a social contract, but a sacred uh, covenant established with the presence of taqwa, which denotes a profound awareness of Allah and a conscientious effort to adhere to His commandments. The Quran emphasizes the importance of taqwa in various contexts, including marriage. For instance, in chapter An-Nisa, now this is a this is one chapter of the Holy Quran, which is. Uh, uh, which is particularly uh, concerned about, you know, the, the name suggests that the name is w woman. So it is about the woman 
and uh, this in chapter this is chapter 4 and in verse 2 allah the almighty says o ye people fear your lord who created you from a single soul and created their form its mate and from them twain spread many men and women and fear allah in whose name you appeal to one another and fear him particularly respecting ties of relationship verily allah watches over you this this verse um um underscores the significance of taqwa that's the righteousness in marital relationships reminding couples to uh, maintain god consciousness in their interactions and decisions when spouses cultivate uh, taqwa that's uh, righteousness of course you know righteousness is the basic thing and and if you prioritize righteousness and honesty and uh, mutual respect of course fostering a harmonious and spiritually enriching partnership so if the basis is righteousness they it is very likely that the harmony of course will will come and you are more likely to have a relationship which is much more successful uh, then islam of course encourages love tenderness and compassion between spouses as essential components of a successful and fulfilling marriage the relationship between husband and wife um should be characterized by kindness empathy and affection and uh, it is uh, you know as it is exemplified in the in the verse of the holy quran and this uh, has been taken from chapter 30 verse 22 and one of his signs in this that he creates wives for you from among yourselves that you may find peace of mind in them and he has put love and tenderness between you in that surely are signs for a people who reflect uh, this has been taken from chapter our room chapter 30 verse 22 this verse highlights the divine wisdom behind the creation of spouses and emphasizes the importance of love and mercy in fostering a peaceful and harmonious marital bond love and tenderness serve as the foundation of a strong and enduring enduring relationship and uh, of course this uh, this relationship is likely to to long more uh, and it is uh, it enables couples to to weather challenges and celebrate joy together with compassion and understanding islam teaches that marriage should be founded on taqwa that's righteousness and also um, Uh, the couples who who base that they are they cultivate god consciousness in their relationship as well so now uh, we we do have our guest uh, who is uh, qasim chaudhry he is uh, a missionary in ahmadiyya uh, missionary imam um, in usa 
and uh, we we welcome him on the show assalam alaikum peace be on you qasim choudhry walaikum assalam thank you for joining us this afternoon on uh, drive time show welcome you you know that our topic today is uh, is very interesting topic is a true love marriage and harmony so we would like to ask you uh, a few questions the first of all how does the 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 prophet muhammad may peace be upon him guide individuals in selecting a partner according to islamic teachings jazakallah uh, for the question um in islam the holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him he has provided guidance on selecting a partner through various teachings and examples from his own life and in fact you know there's a very beautiful and often quoted uh, narration which beautifully summarizes um for a person looking for a spouse and what are you looking for and the mindset that they should be entering into uh, a marital bond and uh, i'll just quickly read that narration and just uh you know provide a small commentary on it the prophet muhammad peace be upon him he stated once that a woman is married for four things that is her wealth her family status her beauty and her religion and in some of these narrations at the end it all, it's also mentioned that um the prophet states that you should marry the uh, pious otherwise you will be among the losers and when we reflect on this beautiful advice it's very concise but it has so much wisdom behind it and i truly view it as a timeless and universal advice you know it's something that can be applied not only for a muslim if you actually think about it a person uh, adhering to any faith they can take this um formula that the prophet muhammad peace be upon him has presented when it comes to selecting a life partner and uh, it makes that journey of selection much much easier and less painful and it's not to say that righteousness or piety or religiousness is the only thing one should look for in fact these other three things that are mentioned they shouldn't be discarded they're important as well but the prophet peace be upon him he has kept religiousness piety virtue as the number one thing uh that a person should strive for and when you're striving for something you al- always have to ensure that you yourself are that thing so if we are out searching for a partner who is righteous and pious and virtuous we also have to ensure that ourselves imbibe those qualities so i think that's something uh, in summary that we can take from the holy prophet peace be upon him thank you very much and uh, so in in your opinion what impact do supportive and compatible spouses have on personal happiness and fulfillment you know supportive and compatible spouses they play a significant role in personal happiness and fulfillment within a marriage when spouses support each other emotionally intellectually spiritually they create a nurturing environment where both partners can grow and thrive compatibility in values interests and life goals they foster a deeper connection and understanding between partners which will you know naturally lead to increased satisfaction and contentment in a relationship You know recently I was just reading uh, an excellent book on relationships and marriage and uh, the author of the book Dr. Gottman he mentions that stable marriages they have a 5 to 1 ratio of positivity to negativity and I truly believe that you know if you have a supportive and compatible spouse you know there will be much more uh, positivity in your life as well and uh, you know sometimes I give the example of uh, a ship you know when you're when you're on a ship and it's 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 nice to have a captain who's steering that ship and uh it's nice to have support you know to help guide that ship to its its direction and you know it's not necessary to always have two hands on the ship because if you have two captains 
steering the wheel, then there might be arguments and some problems steering the ship. But if you have one person who's steering and the other person supporting, that is what makes the journey nice and smooth. So that's something I would just like to add as well. Mm, thank you. Um, uh, of course, I mean, uh, uh, that, you know, that's a guidance from, from the Holy Prophet. Um, may peace be upon him, and and as you very uh, you know very rightly said that all these factors they do make a difference. Um, so, could you discuss the sig- significance of uh, shared values and beliefs in fostering a strong marital relationship? Yes, of course. You know, shared values and beliefs they serve as the foundation for a strong marital relationship in Islam. And when spouses they share common religious, moral, and ethical values. They have a framework for resolving conflicts, making decisions, and navigating life's challenges together. And this shared foundation, it creates unity, trust, and mutual respect within the marriage. And this strengthens the bond between the husband and wife. Yes, of course. I mean, uh, that's that's, that's the baseline. You know, if you have something in common you are uh, trying to achieve together, that would make it stronger. The relationship becomes much, much stronger then. So how might aligning life goals, particularly in serving God and upholding Islamic values, influence a couple's journey in marriage? Absolutely. Uh, You know, aligning life goals, especially in serving God and upholding Islamic values, it profoundly influences a couple's journey in marriage. We see when both partners, they prioritize their faith and strive to live according to Islamic teachings, They find purpose and meaning in their relationship, not just something which is, uh, you know, surface-level stuff, but deeper stuff. They support each other in spiritual growth, encourage acts of worship, and work together to fulfill their obligations to God and their community. So this shared commitment to faith deepens their connection, and I believe it reinforces their commitment to one another. Of course, yeah. Um, So, um, Imam Qasim, one, one last question from you. From your perspective, how does prioritizing religious commitment contribute to the success and longevity of a marriage? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's essential for the success and longevity of a marriage when both spouses, they prioritize their relationship with God. When they consciously make God the center of their relationship, they establish a spiritual bond that sustains them through difficult times and strengthens their love for each other. Religious devotion, it fosters humility, patience, and forgiveness, which are crucial qualities for a healthy and lasting marriage. By seeking God's guidance and following the teachings of Islam, definitely navigate challenges. They can overcome obstacles and find joy and fulfillment in marital journey. You know, there's one aspect of uh, when when it comes to being a religious person is, you know, we, we worship and we do the physical acts. And then there's another huge aspect that is, you know, very simply becoming a better person. Right? being more humble, having a higher threshold of patience. These are all things that are will help us not only in our relationship with God Almighty, but it helps us in our marital bond as well. So these things are definitely essential. Um, that's great. And, and we do have our you know uh, role model, uh, the Holy Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, the way he treated his wives and the way he behaved and how we see that, you know, with so many marriages as well, how successful his marriages were and, uh, you know, how happy his wives were uh, to the extent that when he said that they they can go home if they like, nobody, uh, you know, none of them wanted to go away. 
So that, that's an example we have, and we just follow that, and uh, we'll be successful. So thank you very much, Imam Qasim, for joining us uh, this afternoon on Drive Time Show on Radio Vice of Islam. Jazakallah, uh, thank you very much, and have a nice evening. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Jazakallah khair. So this was uh, Imam Qasim um, from uh, United States. He's an Imam uh, of the Ahmadi Muslim community, and uh, you know he he has elaborated um, an answer to our uh, questions about the topic uh, we are uh, speaking about that uh, the tool of marriage uh, and harmony. So um, let's look at uh, the role model, which is uh, that of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him about whom the Holy Quran has said that for for the Muslims who believe in him, it says, that you have got the best um, best uh, model in the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. And as I mentioned just uh, earlier, that uh, you know he, ha- he had many wives, and the example of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, provides a comprehensive guide for Muslims on how to conduct themselves in marriage. He treated his wives with utmost respect, kindness, and consideration, demonstrating the importance of uh, mutual respect, communication, and empathy. Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, upheld fairness and equity in his relationship, ensuring that each spouse received equal love, attention, and care. His relationship with his wives was characterized by deep love, affection, and emotional intimacy, setting a profound example of companionship in marriage. Um, At this point, I should clarify that according to the, the teachings of the Holy Quran, you are allowed to marry two, three, up to four uh, wives, but there is a condition which is attached to that, and the condition is that you should do justice. So all of them, they should be treated in exactly the same way, no matter, you know, that you can't change your internal emotions of your heart. Maybe you are, um, you tend to bend towards one because of, you know, maybe her beauty, maybe her some other qualities, but um, God Almighty has uh, instructed, has commanded that if you cannot do justice, um, then it is better that you you only marry once and you don't bring in a second wife if you can't do justice amongst themselves. So additionally, the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, showed remarkable uh, patience and forgiveness, prioritizing harmony and unity within the family. He provided spiritual guidance and support to his wives, encouraging them to strengthen their faith and practice righteousness. Overall, the Prophet's example highlights the values of respect, equality, love, patience, and spirituality, offering timeless wisdom and inspiration for couples seeking to build strong, fulfilling, and God-centered relationships. Now, um, uh, we have spoken about, uh, uh, you know, the the basic guidelines which has been given, and uh, we'll uh, we'll speak uh, a little bit further on this topic as well, Um, and uh, uh, we'll we'll have a short break, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be back in a few minutes.
a new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو يعلم المؤمن ما عند الله من العقوبة ما طمع بجنته أحد ولو يعلم الكافر ما عند الله من الرحمة ما قنط من جنته أحد حضرت أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه نريتس that the holy prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said If a believer were to know the punishment in hell, none would have the audacity to aspire for paradise, but he would earnestly desire to be rescued from hell. And if a non-believer were to know what is there with Allah as a mercy, none would have been disappointed in regard to paradise. Writings of the Promised Messiah When a hot-tempered person is provoked and punishes a child, He takes on the role of an enemy in the stress of his anger and imposes punishment far in excess of the wrong which has been done. An individual with self-respect and control over himself, who is also forbearing and dignified, has the right to correct a child to a certain extent as the occasion demands or seek to guide the child. But a wrathful and hot-headed person who is easily provoked is not fit to be a guardian of children. I wish that instead of punishing children, parents would have recourse to prayer and should make it a habit to supplicate earnestly for their children, for the supplications of parents on behalf of their children meet with special acceptance. Writings of the Promised Messiah When you stand up in prayer, you should know it for certain that your God has the power to do all that He wills, then your prayer will be accepted and you will behold the wonders of God's power that we have beheld. Our testimony is based on seeing and is not a mere tale. How should the supplication of a person be accepted and how should he have the courage to pray at the time of great difficulties when according to him, He is opposed by the law of nature unless he believes that God has power over everything. You should not be like that. Your God is one who has suspended numberless stars without any support and who has created heaven and earth from nothing. And would you think so ill of him as to imagine that your objective is beyond his power? Such thinking will frustrate you. Our God possesses numberless wonders, but only those observe them who become wholly His with certainty and fidelity. He does not disclose His powers to those who do not believe in His powers and are not faithful to Him.
أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Uh, welcome back. We are uh, <clears throat> in the second uh, half of uh, our drive time show. Uh, today here on the Radio Voice of Islam, the topic we have been discussing um, is um, true love, uh, marriage and harmony. And we have uh, discussed various aspects how uh, and on, on what basis we can um, achieve this goal that, you know, that the, if, if, we are, uh, if we are marrying, then we are we're thinking of, of having a stable relationship which could last long, it could bring happiness to, to both the partners, and it could uh, bring peace, peaceful life, which everybody would like to, to have. So if we can achieve that, we have, uh, we have looked into it and we've seen that the guidance which was given by the, the Prophet Muhammad, the Holy Prophet of Islam, was that you know when you are looking or when you're looking for marriage, you are... Um, you are looking at uh, various things, and those things are that you look at the wealth, whether the person is wealthy, belongs to a noble family. Uh, also, uh, you know that um, you look at uh, the beauty of the the person as well, and then you also look at whether she is righteous or not. So he said that the priority should be the righteousness, and if if that is your uh, your choice, if that you can you can do that. Then of course um, you know you you are more likely to have a successful marriage if we if you are uh, um, base your your basis of selecting a partner uh, or, or uh, you know for your future wife is um, that she's righteous then you are more likely to be success successful. The other day, somebody was asking me, you know, the youngsters, they asked, you know, that, you know, why can't we, we marry outside the community? Why can't we? Of course, I mean, the, the, those who are, you know, from the people of the book, um, they are allowed, the, the Muslims can marry them. Uh, but the, the condition is that they should be, um, they should believe in one God. And that is that is one thing. And apart from that, I mean, I, I simply... Um, Usually, when I speak to them, they're seeking advice about you know what kind of partner they should be looking for, and uh, I usually tell them that you should look at not only your partner or wife, but also the mother of your children. How would you like her to behave um, in training your children? How uh, how are you going to um, you know what do you expect from that uh, the, the the girl you are going to select or choose? How is she going to train your children? That that's how you should be. Um, from that angle, you should also look at it. That you know, you you want to go to the mosque. You have got a um, a meeting. You have got uh, you know. You want to go to listen to the address by the Khalifa al Masih. Um, and if your your wife, um, you know, is not sharing your goal with you. 
if she, if she wants to, you know, go out and enjoy herself, go to, go to a film or somewhere else, then of course there is going to be a friction, and and that you don't you won't like that, and you don't you want to train your children according to um, your choice. So if if you want that, if you want to pe- if you want peace, then of course then you have to make the choice accordingly. By all means, you know you can you can go outside, but this is what you you are likely to face. That so you think before um, you you um, take a step into that into that direction. So we we we, we looked at um, the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him himself, and um, uh, uh, we we see that how his behavior with his wife was such. You know that that uh, you know uh, he he always treated them with respect, with equality, with love, with patience, and uh, you know his spirituality helped in the bonding which he had with his wives, and that is a role model for us. We just follow that, and we I think we it's very very important that we read. The, about the life of the Holy Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And for that matter, you should also read about the life of the promised Messiah, the Imam Mahdi, the reformer of the time, because he has lived in this current age. And the way he treated his wife, um, the way you know he gave respect to his wife, and, uh, and the relationship, such a beautiful relation he had with his wife and uh, and he had so many children and with with, with such a big responsibility uh, while he was so busy so he gave time uh, uh, and uh, he also gave her uh, a lot of respect and training as well which was going on during his lifetime so i think the these the these are uh, role models for us and we should look at that and if you are finding if trying to find a harmonious relationship then we should uh, follow the guidance uh, which they have given uh, just just uh, um, that is the wisdom we get from them they are the beacons of light and and we read that and then we um uh, after reading that, if you if we uh, embark upon this journey of marital bliss, then uh, you know you then you'll be seeking God's pleasure and blessings uh, every step of the way. So the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, he gave a guidance um, to uh, to the married couples, and uh, and we we got uh, an audio of that. Let let's listen to that. Out of our entire group of khudam, we have many khudam that are married, um, they have new nikah, they have been engaged, and many of us are still um, not married and inshallah will be uh, in the process of being married. Um, Can you give one piece of advice, um, an attribute or a trait that we can instill um, inside ourselves to um, make a successful relationship with, you know, our future spouse um, and future uh, in-laws? Nobody is perfect. Always show patience for your wives. Whenever you see anything wrong, any shortcoming, anything, then close your eyes, close your ears, close your mouth. <laughs> your life will be okay. <laughs> Such a beautiful advice, you know, if you want comfort, peace at home, 
yeah then you know you close your ears and uh, you know you don't speak so that is an advice uh, although it's uh, it appears to be funny but practically it will be very very helpful if you want to live a peaceful life with your wife um he also gave at another another way and he gave some advice let's listen to that as well you have to increase your tolerance threshold boys and girls both you see we cannot say the divorce rate is increasing only because of the fault of uh, one person boy or the girl both have some shortcomings in them the best way to live a good married life is that that increase your tolerance level right and ignore all the shortcomings you see in your spouse man should ignore woman should also ignore and try to find out the good things we cannot say that a person has only bad qualities you have good qualities and bad qualities both men also have good qualities women also have good qualities men also have shortcomings women also have some shortcomings so if you realize this fact and understand it that we have to ignore the shortcomings of each other then the divorce rate will reduce and you will live a very happy married life now your responsibility is to bring up your children in a peaceful manner to so give your children that atmosphere which is good for them which can be helpful for their growth and that can only be given if husband and wife are living amicably and living a happy life assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi pyar huzur my question is um some of us khudam feel at times that we are ready for marriage however when we discuss this with our parents how old are you how old are you you look quite young you look quite i'm young. 18 years old huh how man 18 years old 18 years so you shouldn't worry at this age acha acha then okay anyway if you get married no problem i don't have any opposition even i i would like if you get married jeez acha then however when we discuss this with our parents then again we are often discouraged or told that we are not we are not ready to carry this big responsibility what is beloved huzur's advice on discussing this topic with parents i have already said if you get married at this age i will be happy <laughs> so you see if you are if you are irresponsible boy and your behavior is just irresponsible which your parents can observe in you then obviously they will say you are not um, uh, and, uh, ready to carry the big responsibility but if you show responsible behavior then they will not say this thing right the thing is that who will give you 
who will be ready to marry you? Obviously, the girl would like that the husband should be working somewhere, getting some money, so that he can meet the expenses and can run household affairs, all these things, right? If you are ready that you can do it without depending on your parents, then you should get married, right? In the olden days, when boys used to get married at early age, they were not relying on their parents. They would earn their own money and they will run their family affairs on their own, right? If you are ready to do that, now my advice is that you should get married now, today and even after, immediately after this meeting. <laughs> I, I don't have any objection, right? So, but if you don't have that, you see, your resources are limited and you are still studying and you are relying on your parents, even on your studies, you take pocket money from from your parents, and when you get married, then your wife will also demand some pocket money. You will ask again your father to give me some more money so that I can give to my wife. No, then why? How can you get married? See, but if you are doing some job, yes. So you should get married as as early as possible, right? Immediately you complete your studies and you find some job, then you should get married. Okay? Then you can ask your, you can ask your parents that or if there is any special case, then your parents should know that this is the special case. And you, if you need my recommendation in that particular case for yourself or your, for your friend, then write to me, then I will, I, I will personally uh, approach your parents to, to help you. Okay? Okay? <laughs> right. Uh, we were listening to uh, head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. He was advising um, young uh, people about, you know, how to... Uh, get uh, you know the best out of the marriage and w- what they should be choosing. Uh, very interesting uh, discussion. Um, in summary, um, we have uh, we are uh, reaching the conclusion now of this uh, section of uh, the uh, drive time show. The second hour, the topic we discussed was um, true love, marriage, uh, harmony, and marriage. So the. Um, the conclusion is that by emulating the actions and embodying the values which the Holy Prophet of Islam upheld, couples can cultivate deep bonds of affection, mutual support and devotion to God, laying the foundation for a harmonious and spiritually enriching partnership. The Prophet's timeless wisdom serves as a beacon of light, offering inspiration and guidance to couples as they embark on their journey of marital bliss, seeking God's pleasure and blessings every step of the way. 
with that, uh, we conclude this program. I'm thankful to our producers, uh, Nuru Sabah and Jamila Bryant, uh, for producing this show and also um, on the technical side, Sharyar Khan. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed uh, today's show. And uh, please uh, join us again tomorrow for the Drive Time Show. Uh, for, the, for now, uh, it's Dr. Tariq Bajwa um, saying goodbye to you. Um, thank you for joining us uh, on this show. Bye-bye.